0: Good morning. My name is Sam McLaughlin, if we haven't met, and I'm the senior pastor here at Belmead. If you're a guest with us today, we just want to say welcome to you again. As Gracie said, there is a yellow visitor card in the pew rack in front of you, and we would love for you to fill that out and meet you in the narthex where we have a gift for you. If you're joining us online, we want to say hello to you again. Our online pastor, Rachel, is there to greet you. Truly, whether you're here in person or you are sitting on your couch, you are a part of the Bellmead family, and we're glad that you showed up for worship today. We are in the second Sunday of our new three-week sermon series called Fear Not, or if I, as I have tried to label this month, No Fear February. As we began to talk about fear last week, here were some of our starting points, Fear is one of the seven universal emotions experienced by everyone around the world. Fear is defined it's, a, it's defined as something that arises with the threat of harm, either physical, emotional or psychological, and that fear can be very real or it can be imagined. Sometimes we traditionally talk about fear as a negative emotion, but we know that it serves an important role in keeping us safe and mobilizing us when there is potential danger. Last week, we said maybe there's a third F when it comes to fear. We know fight and flight. What if we add faith? Not saying that there aren't elements of fight and flight in, in faith, meaning faith is about letting go, surrendering, trusting, holding tight to belief in Jesus even when we are afraid. We also said when we look at scripture, we see that fear is not unnatural or wrong. Many people that are called by God throughout the stories are afraid. We said fear is is not the absence of faith. It's not as if we can pour more faith on top of our fear and not address those real fears. Faith is what empowers us to move forward in spite of our fear. This week, we're gonna talk about worry as a form of fear. Again, something that I think is universal, something that we all experience. In its clinical definition, worry is often defined as mental distress or agitation resulting from concern for something that's impending or anticipated. So something sort of we're dreading or worrying about that is concretely in our future. But sometimes we know that worry can fall into that same category as fear that is imagined. We worry over things that have not happened And likely will never happen. Last week we talked about that worst case scenario spiral that we sometimes find ourselves in. I think it's important to say as well that worry is similar to anxiety but needs to be differentiated from it. In our context for today, we're not talking about anxiety disorders that need medical intervention. And it's important for you to hear that if you need therapy or you need medication or need that kind of help, that doesn't mean that you have less faith than other people. Like fear, you cannot simply pour on more faith and pray your way to less anxiety if that is a mental health struggle that you face. Today, we are talking about worry that we may be able to curb, that we may be able to put in the right place if we practice shifting our perspective And leaning into the abundance of Jesus contextually it is helpful for us to understand that our passage for today follows a parable this is the parable of the rich fool now in that story Jesus says this the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop and the man wondered where am I going to store all these crops? Because I don't have a place big enough for this surplus. And so he said, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down these barns and I'll build bigger ones. And that's where I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years to come. Take life easy, eat, drink, drink be merry. Now this is where I get a little nervous because you know, Jesus is setting up a story that he's going to have conflict with. And to me, this sounds like retirement. And already I know that I have 17 years to save up to go on a Viking world cruise when my children go to college, right? And here comes the problem. God says, you fool this very night, your life will be taken from you. And who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus sort of sums it up. He says, here's the moral of the story. This is how it will be with anybody who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. And it is as he finishes that sentence, Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or wear. Life is about more than food and clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They don't have storerooms and barns, yet God feeds them. Birds are important, but you're more valuable than the birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? I liked how one commentator put it this week. He said that here Jesus is really offering three reasons why his disciples should not let worry control them. The first is this line, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, of course, Jesus is not talking about people who do not have enough food or don't have clothes to wear. He's addressing people who have food to eat and have clothes to wear and are spending their lives trying to acquire more and more. The commentator says these words of Jesus help us to refocus our energies, not on what we have, but on who we are not on how we will get ahead or acquire more, but in who we are becoming. It reminds me of that verse that says, the man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Jesus is not concerned with your material things, and he doesn't want us to be. There are more important things in life, like the condition of our hearts and how we are becoming a disciple in his kingdom. A kingdom that he is showing us is not self-focused, storing up for me, but other-focused, ready to give away. The second thing is this. He says, consider the ravens that have no storeroom or barn, yet God provides Now, this is meant to take us directly back to that rich fool fool who's gonna build bigger barns and have bigger storerooms for his stuff. Faith is learning to trust in God's ability to care for God's own creations. It is learning to not just sing, but believe that morning by morning, God's mercies will come to us, that all we have ever needed will be provided by his hand. And all of this sort of leads, I think, to Jesus' argument that comes towards the end of our passage. Verses 32 through 34 say this, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. But to have the kingdom, you have to sell your possessions and give to people in need. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. See, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. Is your treasure in this world or is your treasure set on the kingdom of God? And it seems sort of counterintuitive to us, but one way to combat worry over having enough is to let go. It's this puzzling prescription of the Christian life. We have to give up to gain. And Christians, we are people who trust in the provision of God, people who would rather give all we have knowing that the real reward is creating a world that looks like the equity of God's kingdom. The third reason is really good because it's simple. Worrying doesn't actually solve any of your problems. Or as we say in Alabama, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gets you nowhere. You get it? Okay. (laughs) As we think about worrying really in a broader sense than just worrying over food or clothes, I really don't think that Jesus is saying we should never worry. Do not worry is like, do not be afraid. Like, of course, we are going to experience both of those feelings, and that's not wrong or unfaithful, but I think Jesus is giving us an ideal to strive for. Actually, most of the time when we come to church and we're in worship together or we're in Bible studies in our Sunday school classes, I think we're going after the ideal. We're looking for the life that God intends for us, and we're trying to attain it through our Christian practice. So Jesus is saying, I intend for you to live free of fear and worry. And perhaps if we can practice getting our minds right, we will have more and more days where we do not succumb to fear and worry. See, there is an aspect in our passage today of what we allow to rule our minds. The Greek verb to be anxious also means to take anxious thoughts, to put forth an effort or strive after, meaning Jesus is not saying that worry doesn't exist. He is saying, don't take it on. Don't strive after it. This sort of reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 7, where the writer says, God does not give you a spirit of timidity or cowardice or craving and cringing and fawning fear, but God has given you a spirit of power and of love, listen to this, and of a calm and well-balanced mind. That tells me that we can acquire a calm and well-balanced mind. So how do we get to that place where worry is not in charge, where we refuse to say, where we refuse to take on worry and let it control us. This week, I started a new Netflix series. I really don't watch that much TV, but when I do, I like to find a series and sort of dive into it. And since you asked, my top three favorite 2022 Netflix series were Outlander, Made, and Manifest. Feel free to give me your top three as well. But this week, I started a new one uh, called New Amsterdam. I think it came out a while ago, so you all have probably already watched it. It follows Dr. Max Goodwin as he becomes the medical director of one of the United States' oldest public hospitals in New York City, New Amsterdam. Now, Max kind of comes in in the first episode, firing a bunch of people, making big changes, which you're never supposed to do on the first day, He's trying to, you know, fight this bureaucracy and provide better care to the patients. And so one of the doctors that we meet in the show is Iggy Frome, and he's the head of the psych department. And early on, we see him connect with one of his patients who is 16, and her name is Gemma. Now, Gemma had been neglected and abused in the foster care system, so she was someone who was struggling with that trauma and struggling with real anxiety, Iggy is working very hard to find her a safe and healthy place to be until she turns 18. And in this episode, he finally does. But then they have this moment where Gemma is saying, what if this doesn't work out? What if she doesn't like me? What if this is like the other placements? What if, naming fear after fear, worry after worry. And Iggy stops her and calms her down and says, Gemma, Are these facts or are these feelings? And in that moment, she's able to say, these are my imagined worries. These are my what ifs. And they're not true and they're not facts. So perhaps we can ask ourselves the same question. When our what ifs and our worries begin to flood our brains, are these facts or are these feelings? Feelings doesn't negate the fact that we need to feel them, but are they our what ifs or are they facts? This year, I also, the uh, b- very beginning of the year, um, found this image on social media that really spoke to me. And I think the reason that it did is because sometimes it's helpful, helpful for us to put into perspective what is ours to take on and what, it, what is not. And so in this image, it's really simple. There's just a circle in the middle um, and a square around the outer side. I, I got to show this on the PowerPoint in 830, so I'm just gonna try to describe it to you. But here's the circle, inner circle. And on the inside, it says, in my control. So here are the things that are in my control. And in the square, there are things that are out of my control. So here are the things that are out of your control, the actions of other people the future, the opinions of other people, what happens around you, the outcome of your efforts, your past mistakes, I really like this one, other people's boundaries, what other people think about you. Here's what's in your control, your words, your mindset, how you speak to yourself, what you give your energy to, how you spend your free time, how you move on from your failures, the boundaries that you set, being present in this very moment. And I think being present is a key to us in trying to curb worry. This week, I also reached out to our church member and my lifelong friend, Laura Lee, to share her thoughts on worry with me. That's because her profession is guiding people towards healing, helping them to pinpoint their emotions and explore their trauma and connect their mind, body, and spirit. This is what she said. Our minds cannot be in the present moment when we drift off into worrying. And the present moment is the place and time where we always have access to God, where we always have access to faith, where we are able to remember those spiritual gifts that God has given us, those tools that we have within us to curb worry. You know, I distinctly remember one night when my son Lewis was eight months old. I was holding him in the green rocking chair inside of uh, his room because he had started to cry. So I went to console him. And as I rocked back and forth, uh, I was worrying and it didn't get me anywhere. It had been a long day. I was ruminating on what had happened here at the church. I was sort of in that uh, spiral, preoccupied in my mind of all the horrible things that were gonna happen after this already horrible thing had happened And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this little hand reached up in the dark and touched me on the cheek. And he just held it there. And I felt like that was an alarm clock, like waking me up from my slumber. It was a reminder, it was a call to like, come back to myself because there I was sitting there holding my child, gifted a moment to be his mother, should I take it to feel his warm embrace and remember who and what really matters in life. So I think we have to have those people, those vacations, those practices, those rituals, those lilies and those birds that pull us back into the present that pull us out of those unbalanced, fretful, frantic, chaotic minds. Because it's in the present that we remember we're okay. There is enough. We can combat worry with the gratitude and blessing of what is right in front of us. When we live in the reality that God gives us everyone and everything that we need, worry does not rule our lives. And in the present, we don't need storehouses. We don't need showrooms because we're ready to give it all away. Worrying does not add a single hour to your life. But being present, that adds the riches of heaven here and now. Thanks be to God. Amen.